same old hoodoo follows me about the same old pounding in my heart whenever I think of you and darling I think of you day in and day There's one of the greatest singers of all time, singing one of my favorite songs of all time. And it's appropriate because we're talking daily football, and it's appropriate because <laughs> this is what I do, man, day in, day out. And I got to be honest, I see the end of December coming, and I've got a nap in my future, and I cannot fucking wait. Um, so you guys may or may not notice I'm in a better mood than I was. <laughs> Than I was on Tuesday. I went back and listened to the Wavewire podcast. I'm like, oh my god, how many f bombs did I drop on that thing? Um, you know, I mean, I was pissed off. What can I tell you? But I, I was in a working mood. I was just pissed off because Sunday was just epic, nasty for yours truly. I hope it was better for you guys. And um, the fact that you're listening to this, and you know, I, I mentioned it um, on Twitter the day after. Uh, I think it was Wednesday. I noticed it, but. Um, our waiver wire week 14 had a bigger audience than our waiver wire week 13. And, I, you know, I'm not going to get emotional, I promise, but really for me, it just, it really makes me feel good. It, it you know, there's nothing worse than when week 14 you see your site traffic, you know, drop down 50%. It's inevitable. It happens. It's the nature of fantasy football. Half of us get knocked out at the end of week 13 and for those of us who do this, you know, you, you see your traffic and your business drop. It's just the way it is. It's fine. We expect it. Um, and to see it get bigger um, was exciting. And I'm really glad that so many of you guys and gals are doing well. Um, I hope we can, you know, I, I, it's unrealistic to think that as many of you will be in next week, but I'm praying, man. I'm really hoping we can do it. Um, so that's seasonal stuff. This is a DFS day, so we're going to switch over to DFS. But I just wanted you guys to know I noticed. I'm excited. Um, and I want to thank all the people who sent in donations this week. Um, it's the biggest donation week we've had um, since the preseason. And um, for everybody who sent in funds, believe me when I tell you, it's um, really appreciated. Um, you know, and just... Uh, Thank you very much, because it just it helps to fund this podcast. It helps to fund uh, the cost of the site, and it keeps me whole, uh, considering the amount of time uh, I put into this whole thing. So believe me, it, it, it helps logistically, um, and just as much as that, it it puts a little wind to my sails emotionally. So thank you guys very much um, to those folks who um, who did contribute. Uh, for those of you who are contemplating it, uh, I encourage you to do so. It's going to help the site. Um, you know, but by the same token, if you've had nothing but bad advice this year, then uh, your tip should reflect that, and I understand it. Um, I don't know what the hell you were listening to. Nah, just kidding, but you know what I mean. Anyway, um, enough with the long windup. we got a lot to cover here. Um, I'm going to try to keep this from being like a long-ass podcast. I could easily do 90 minutes here. I'm definitely not going to do that. Uh, keeping it under an hour may end up being a tall order. We'll see. Um, but I've got a little bit to say on every single game throughout the slate. This is going to be a lot like last week's podcast. I'm, I'm probably not going to sum up my short list, but if you guys are paying attention on the way through, you should be able to figure it out. Uh, I will um, maybe do a pod tomorrow. If I don't do a pod and I have something to say, I might just post something on rotobond.com. Uh, but if I do make any changes, like last week, I, I, I felt sort of bad because I got onto Robert Woods um, after the podcast, and it was the kind of thing where lineup construction sort of brought me there, uh, and I ended up using a woods a woods block with Higby in my cash lineup. It was one of the smartest things I did, and it's not something I passed on to you guys, which uh, you know I apologize about. Um, I mean, I said I liked Woods a little, and I, I said I loved Higby, but I didn't put them together like that, um, and it ended up being one of my better moves. So, if I come up with any ideas like that this week that I think are good. Uh, I'm going to try to find a way to share it with you guys. Um, maybe I'll just put it on Twitter. So so please check my Twitter feed if this stuff is something you care about. I know most of you guys aren't like, 
you know, following me around on Twitter, hoping I say something else. I, you know, I know most of you are very capable of thinking for yourself and you use the materials that I do here, uh, that I put out, you use them to augment your process. You don't just do what I say, which by the way is A, good and B, really the best way to make money. Um, you know, I don't think anybody is out there consistently profiting on DFS just by doing what somebody else tells them to do. Uh, I think the best players think for themselves and, um, I, you know, I encourage you guys to do that. Okay, so um, we're not going to do QBs, receivers, running backs, tight ends this week. We're going to go game by game, and I'm going to hit all the individual players that I like as we go through it. And and the reason that I want to do it that way this week, it's similar uh, to some of these slates we've had uh, in recent weeks. This one, for me, um, <laughs> is sort of like the worst, just in terms of, you know, I use a word like the worst, but what it, it, it's challenging. It's DraftKings isn't making it easy on us in terms of finding a path to the best lineup. Now, that's bad if you only have five minutes to spend, but it's really good if you put in the time because we're going to see most of the angles, we're going to see most of the opportunities, and hopefully we're going to put all of our bets in the right places and increase our odds of victory and be smarter you know, than the overall field. And I think the field, there's more fish in the field week 14 because a lot of people who got knocked out of seasonal are saying, hey, maybe I'll try this DFS, DFS thing around. <laughs> this DFS thing out. So I really do think it's a good week for folks like us who've been grinding all year and who sort of, you know, have got this uh, season figured out on some level. This is a really good week to apply what we know. The important thing is to understand the pricing's challenging and we can't just take a bunch of plays, put them together and, and think it's going to work. You really have to start thinking about you know, game stacks. You have to start thinking about, do I want to use a block? Do, you know, you have to start thinking about, you know, how do I want to correlate? You know, th this is a week to use all of our little tricks, uh, to find ways to isolate, because there's a lot of bad shit out there, and we just want to stay away from it. So let's really put our thinking caps on. Let's, you know, make sure we're looking at the best place. Let's find the places where we can really target volume and find it and know that we're going to get it because what you don't want to do in a week like this is start taking a bunch of chances start saying to yourself well it's a thin week i'll just be aggressive i think that's how you just spend yourself into some serious trouble to be honest so let's start going through these things one at a time and let's find out where the opportunity is okay uh the first game up on the docket just gonna you know going through these things one by one in order uh we've got the panthers at the falcons and Basically, it's a toss-up game. You get about a three-point spread. That just accounts for the home field. Uh, we're playing indoors, so that's important to note. So, you know, there's some uh, security in that. Um, you know, we're trying to target a lot of passing attacks this week, and we want to be in places where we know uh, the conditions will be okay. Obviously, they're going to be just fine in the Dome in Atlanta. Um, we like DJ Moore's matchup in this game. Uh, he's going to be matched up, according to Mike Clay, and... What I've seen over the last couple weeks, he's going to be getting Isaiah Oliver. Nothing wrong with that at all. Obviously, Moore's been eating. Uh, so Moore absolutely is on my list of players I want to fit in. Now, can I fit in DJ Moore at 7K? That's going to be tough. I don't know, but I want to. Okay, let's just be clear. Uh, Kirsten McCaffrey, 10.3. I feel like that's actually low um, compared to the prices we've seen recently in some actually tougher matchups. The problem is... That 10.3 hurts more than the 10.5 has in recent weeks because the field has come up. So, you know, we don't have the guys to help us jam in McCaffrey that we've had in past weeks. The receiver uh, pricing is aggressive, and that's going to make McCaffrey uh, tough to jam in at 10.3. But I'm jamming him in anyway. So, I mean, well, I'm going to try. I'm going to give it my absolute level best when I get into my lineup construction. I know I've already been able to find ways to squeeze him in the lineups. Now, the question is... Am I going to find better lineups that I like more by taking them out? I'm going to be working on that tonight for a couple hours. Uh, if for some reason I, that brings me off of McCaffrey, I'm going to let you guys know. I don't think it will, but you know the proof is in the pudding on, on these things. Uh, so we love McCaffrey this week as a raw play. Same thing with DJ Moore. The pricing makes them challenging, but absolutely we'd like to do it. Um, now, and this is sort of what makes Carolina interesting this week. We like McCaffrey. We like more. The prices are challenging. We don't like Curtis Samuel nearly as much, and we've talked about the why. It's not because we don't like Curtis Samuel himself. I like Curtis Samuel a lot. The problem is his route tree does not fit as well with the quarterback, and he, 
you know, look, as much as I like Curtis Samuel, when we talked in the preseason, what what is DJ more better than Curtis Samuel at? Well, he's better at being a receiver because he is a pure receiver. There's no transition for him. He was a wide receiver in college. He's a wide receiver in the pros. He's a better route runner. He's got better ball skills. Now, these were true things preseason. They're true things now, okay? Uh, the reason Curtis Samuel is a special player is because he does have ball skills of his own, and he's becoming a better route runner every year. He's catching up in some ways, right? Um, but it's the explosivity that makes Samuel special. He, you know... If I had, you know, a dollar for every time he was open deep and got underthrown this year, you know, I'd, I'd have 20 bucks. Um, you know, and look, I think Samuel, if we don't know yet, and I'm going on a tangent here, but if Carolina deals with their quarterback situation, either with healthy Newton or with a new quarterback, uh, I love Samuel as a by-low this offseason because I think a new quarterback could unlock him in a major way, particularly if it's a quarterback who throws a good deep ball. Um, so Samuel, he's got to be amongst your considerations at 4,900 units. Um, now he's maybe not a cash game idea. Maybe he's more of a GPP. Um, you know, if you think everybody's going to be on more, going to Samuel and saving, you know, $2,100 is not bad business. Um, clearly more of a low probability hit, clearly not getting the volume. It's a different play. Um, but really I think, you know, for me, uh, you know, next to probably McCaffrey, as long as my my evil plan works, I think the the Panther I'm going to have the most exposure to this week is Ian Thomas. Uh, longtime Rotobon readers know that I am a big fan of Ian Thomas as a talent. Um, obviously, the key thing this week is that Olsen's out. They can sit there and say they're going to fill Olsen by a committee, but what that really is is a bunch of coach speak, giving a lot of respect to a veteran, challenging the younger Thomas, who, I don't know, it's possible that Ian Thomas, you know, read a little bit too many of his clippings. You know, maybe they're trying to push him and prod him. I'm just absolutely taking a stab in the dark there. I don't want to, don't negatively attribute anything to Thomas. I'm just wondering what they're up to kind of thing. Um... The other side of the coin is that Thomas was injured in preseason. Uh, he barely played up until a couple weeks ago, so it's possible that that knee thing just was something they were working on for the first half of the year, and they slowly started working him in. And, and now, when they have a need, he's going to be the guy. Uh, you know, As some of you guys know, I think Ian Thomas has the potential to be a star. I mean, I think he could be an elite tight end um, for fantasy purposes, as soon as next year if Greg Olson retires. Now, that's neither here nor there. The question is this week. Now, he played most of the second half last week after Olson left with the concussion. Uh, he was targeted four times, caught them all, just low dot stuff, you know, about five yards of catch, nothing major. But if we extrapolate that, if we and, and we can't, by the way, but if we extrapolate, give him two halves, give him eight targets, um, have if he catches all eight for 40 yards, that's 12 points, and we're going to pay off nicely, Okay. Now, I think likely he won't actually get eight targets. Um, but I think the other side of the coin is that given a week to prepare, I don't think you will see Ian Thomas operating at such a low A dot. He can do a lot of different things. And when they know he's going to be a part of the offense throughout the week, they'll install those things. Okay, So I think Thomas is not the extrapolation of last week. I think he's going to be something else. Um, do you want to put him in every single lineup? You know, that's really up to you. But I think his cost situation would merit an approach like that if you felt that it was a lever for you to get other crucial things into your lineup. So the point is, I don't think Ian Thomas is going to win you your week by scoring tons of points. What I think he's going to do is pay off and then some for cost, right? Um, and it's a week where, you know, the, the tight end buys really aren't that enticing. I don't love the ceiling I'm getting a lot of the, at a lot of these options that are higher priced. And let's let's talk about Ian Thomas's upside. Can he score touchdowns? Yeah. I mean, this guy could absolutely score touchdowns. And he's got the ability to score touchdowns from 30 yards out, you know. He's the kind of guy, if you hit him on a hitch, he can just take it to the, you know, he can... One thing you notice with Ian Thomas, because he's about 260 pounds, but he runs really well, is that safeties and um, linebackers take bad lines on this guy. They think they can cut him off, but he'll get the corner on him. So there's some hidden upside with Ian Thomas. Now, I don't want to give you guys the impression, you know, just playing Ian Thomas. It's, it's can't miss. Oh, no, no, no. It's a can miss. There's no doubt about that. But I think he's got more upside than a lot of people are giving him credit for. 
Um, so, you know, I think probably you're going to get like a five to 10 point kind of day, which is fine at 2,500 units. But, you know, say six catches, 80 yards and a touchdown, I think that's out there. I think that could happen. Um, and obviously, if that happens, um, you know, you're looking at about 20 points. Um, so, you know, to me, he is a floor play with merit. There is more upside there than most people think. And again, his price opens up some things that we really want to do. So I'm giving Ian Thomas consideration in every lineup I make. He's probably going to be in 50% or more just, just because of the situation. Um, on the Atlanta side of the ball here, so if you were inclined to do a Panthers stack, and I, I may do a Panther stack, but it's probably not going to include the quarterback. But would you want to include some type of Atlanta player on the other side? Okay. I am not in love with the Atlanta receivers. I you know I know a lot of people are on Matt Ryan this week. A lot of people smarter than me. My problem is I don't like Atlanta's protection. I don't and, and you know uh, the Panthers are a little bit underrated in terms of their ability to get after the quarterback. So I think Ryan could be in a little bit of trouble this week in terms of facing heat. Um, I feel like the Falcons will go with a run-based approach that they can tack onto with the passing game, keep Ryan clean, um, and try to be efficient. I could be wrong, but that's, in my opinion, that's the way a smart offensive coordinator would approach this. So, I mean, we'll see what happens here. But for me, the Atlanta play that I want to get involved in, and the one I, if I was going to play a correlation piece opposite my 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 Panthers, it would be Freeman at 5,400 units. He's priced well. This is a really good matchup. Yeah, Freeman hasn't done a lot, but a lot of it's been in tough matchups. He's healthier now. Uh, Atlanta's a little bit better on the inside of the line. You know, I, I don't know how much Freeman I'll have, but if I'm bringing back a Falcon on a stack like this, it's going to be Freeman. It, it, I, I'm not that interested in Julio um, for a couple reasons. The injury, Bradbury, and there's nothing wrong with playing Julio. It's just not on my list. Um, and, you know, Ridley, I, I don't know. I'm not sure how... And Ridley's viable, but but he's not blinking green to me. I, I don't know how much Ridley I'm going to be using this week. Um, so that's pretty much it for, for, for uh, Carolina at Atlanta. I'm not really looking at the defenses, um, but we like the indoor element in the game. And there are some good price-cost guys in here, uh, Samuel and Thomas. And then I'm really hoping to pay up for more of McCaffrey. Um, moving down to... The Ravens at the Bills. And this is a big one. I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people will just fade this game because I think a lot of the big voices in the industry are saying just, just fade this one. Um, you know, on the Bills side, Allen's in a tough matchup. I think in seasonal you can use him, but I don't know about using him in DFS. Uh, you know, gutsy, high-range GPP move, maybe. Uh, I don't know if I'm putting that kind of money in this week where I'm going to be taking a lot of GPPs that are like off the, uh, the chart or off the board, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Smokey's in a tough matchup. Beasley's in a tough matchup, and he's priced up. Like, if Beasley were at that normal 43 price this week, I might look at him. But he's at 54, so, nah, I don't think so. Um, on the Ravens' side of the ball, I'm not targeting any of their pass catchers in a matchup like this, okay? Um, a couple reasons. First of all, there's heavy wins. So, you're talking about two passers who are not totally accurate, and... Throwing in winds that could be sustained at 20 miles an hour and above is not great. So I encourage you, if you are really considering getting involved in this game with the pass catchers, not in seasonal, I mean, you know, you put in John Brown, you hope for the best, but, you know, actually focus, focusing on this game and using like three or four pieces from this game, um, make sure the winds aren't sustained above 20. If they are, that's probably not a great idea. Now, See, the thing I like in this game are the run games. Um, I think both sides should be able to run the ball. The wind may push them more towards the run, which for my ends isn't that bad. Uh, I like Lamar Jackson. He's my recommendation um, on the EEI column this week. And, you know, you can read that column for the full Monty on it. Um, you know, I'll just give you sort of the quick version here. Uh, but, you know, basically when we look at this season for the Ravens, you know, they've blown up three good defenses. Now, two of them have been in Baltimore, which, you know, so it's a home game. This is going to be a challenging road game uh, with weather stuff. So it's, you know, a different environment for sure. Um, 
you know, but but they did they did eat the Rams lunch on the road. Now that's indoors, so it's worth pointing out. Uh, but you know, a lot of people have been saying, well, the Ravens haven't seen a defense like this yet. I'm sort of a different mindset. I I mean, maybe they haven't. It's you know, I'm not you know, this is a slightly different defensive makeup when you look at the Bills versus the Pats, you know, or those other teams. But to me, when I look at the Bills. I'm sitting there going, well, have these guys seen anything like the Ravens? Like, we're looking at this Bills defense, but how much of the defensive statistics that the Bills have amassed are in a paradigm that fits? I don't think that much of it is. And when we go through the Bills' schedule, you know, they face the Jets, the Giants with Eli. You know, they face Dalton. They face Brady. You know, you know Mariota. Mariota's a little mobile, but, you know, they were beating, they were beating them up pretty good. You know, Miami. Philadelphia, Washington, Cleveland, Miami again, Denver. You know, they face Dak. But, I mean, none of these guys, I mean, let's be honest, none of these guys hold a candle to what they're going to be looking at this weekend. Meanwhile, if you go through these teams, how many of them are running a significant amount of RPO? So, you know, to me, I think the Bills are in for a little bit of a shock, too. Um, And I think we're looking at two teams that don't have a ton of familiarity. Um, so, you know, I'm very cool with going with Lamar. I'm even considering him in cash. He may be my cash quarterback. Um, you know, the, the problem with him to me is not the matchup. It's the cost on a week where I'm trying to get in McCaffrey. It's challenging to get in a 7,400 unit quarterback as well. So that's where I'm at. I'm definitely going to be using Lamar this week, but it may be more in targeted GPPs. Uh, I may come down to, well, do I need Lamar or do I need McCaffrey in my cash lineup? And if I have to make that choice, uh, Lamar doesn't have the separation from the quarterback field, particularly in a tough matchup, uh, that McCaffrey has from the running back field. And that will probably probably be uh, the determining factor in my choice. Um, so again, um, well, actually, no, I'm not done. Sorry. Uh, the other piece I like in this game is Ingram. And it, it, it uh, you know, ironically, it's because of price. Um, you know, Ingram... The problem with him is he's had some game scripts that took him off the field, and we've gotten some incomplete games where you've gotten like 14 and 15 point games where if he had just played the whole rest of the game and stayed in his role, it could have been 22, 23, 24, 25, something like that. Now, this is a game where Ingram might be in the mix all the way through because it's a close game. It's a good you know team that they're facing. Um, so you know Buffalo doesn't have to score a lot of points uh, to keep Ingram in the mix here. Uh, so to, for me, I think Ingram is certainly viable on DraftKings. He may be a part of my cash lineup. I haven't decided. Uh, and I think there's, you know, what I may end up doing is putting, I may end up building some Lamar lineups, some Ingram lineups, and then a couple where I see if I can get them to work together. But I think maybe this is an either or thing for the Ravens this week. It could be a big Ingram week, could be a big Lamar week. It could sort of depend what's working. Uh, and I think that's where Greg Roman comes into play. And let's not forget, this is a revenge game for Greg Roman. I haven't heard anybody pumping that narrative, but it is. Going back to Buffalo, uh, he used to scheme for Tyrod up there, as we know. Um, so, you know, Roman knows the field up there. He knows what we're getting into. Um, and I think the important thing, one thing that Greg Roman's really good at, um, and it's co- cool to see him getting some of the recognition he should have gotten in years past, uh, but one of the things Greg Roman is good at is adjusting. Uh, and if he finds one thing working in this game, he'll start hammering it. Uh, so I like the idea of some Lamar in some lineups, some Ingram in some others, and then maybe putting them together uh, in a lineup or two as well. Um, you know, you do with that what you guys want. Uh, I know there are a lot of people out there smarter than me warning people off this matchup this week. So, you know, feel free to listen to multiple voices. Uh, but I think some people are sort of overestimating the problems the Ravens are going to face, but underestimating the problems that the Bills are going to face. Okay? That's, that's sort of the way I see it. Um, let's not forget that in addition to the bad weather, um, and the, the, the raised pricing, Smokey Brown uh, and Beasley also have to go up against Jimmy Smith and Peters and Marlon Humphrey in the slot. This is a tough matchup. Uh, don't lose sight of that. Okay, let's, dump, let's go down to Bengals-Browns. Uh, Bengals-Browns, you know, this is a game where you've got, you know, obviously a pretty bad team facing a team that's sort of coming around. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of guys in this game you can consider. Uh, you know, I, I think Mixon at 5,800 is probably, I, I don't know, a, you know, I've listened to a fair amount of uh, podcasts this week, and I haven't heard enough people talking about Mixon at 5,800. Um, you know, I would I use it in cash? Probably not, but I think some Mixon exposure this week could end up uh, being something you don't regret. Uh, Boyd at 5,900 units, it's okay. Um, I think John Ross at 4,400 in a GPP, uh, I think exposure makes sense as long as you are okay with, you know, lighting that money on fire because there's potential for that. Uh, Auden Tate is off my board at 4K. I, I, don't, I, I don't understand the appeal with Ross back in the mix uh, personally. Um, on a week like this, I just, you know, Auden Tate feels thin for me at 4K. Uh, so that's where I'm at with the Bengals. Those are, you know, those three really are the ones I'm considering, mostly on Mixon and Ross, I would say. Um, and it's because they're, I just think that they're priced well for, you know, for what they give me. Um, but on the Brown side, look, uh, Baker, I think, is in more in play than a lot of people think. Uh, I think Chubb's a good play at 8K, although there are, you know, We'll, we'll get to why I'm probably not going to be heavily exposed to him, but I think he's a good play at 8K. Hunt at 6,600, nothing wrong with that. Uh, Landy, Landry at 6,500, no problem at all if you want to use that. Uh, although I'm I'm more into Odell at 63. The re, Now, I think Landry's percentage of not killing you is better. We've seen that on a week-to-week basis. But as I mentioned, I think, in the rankings, um, you know, Beckham has been very matchup sensitive. Um now, some people will be like, oh, so Beckham doesn't play well against good teams. Now, it's not what I'm saying. Um, I'm sorry, I wasn't imitating you guys, other people. Um, the Browns, the way to understand this concept is that the Browns have not been able to get Beckham off in tough matchups. Now, why hasn't that happened? It's not one thing, but the, the quick explanation is the quarterback hasn't had the time to target him in the important parts of the routes he's running because the most of those routes are intermediate to deep routes, meaning they take an extra half second to a full second to develop. Baker Mayfield's left tackle's been a joke. His right tackle hasn't been much better. They haven't been particularly organized on the interior. They've been giving up, you know, quarterback hits at too at too much, you know, at too high a rate. But it's more than that. They've been giving up too many quick hits on the quarterback, right? So this has multiple bad effects on the deep passing game. First of all. It cuts down the opportunities the quarterback has to see it and hit it. But more, more, just a, well, I would say e- equivalently bad, okay, is the fact that even when Mayfield's clean, it's going to speed his clock up, okay? He's going to feel pressure sometimes that isn't there. He's going to be, get the ball out, get the ball out. And that keeps you from being patient and waiting for Odell to come clean. It's hurting them. I, I went back two weeks ago and I watched all of Beckham's routes over a two-week span. He's crushing these routes. It's not a problem, okay? Odell Beckham is still Odell Beckham. Uh, and we've seen that in the good matchups. So w- when we say good matchups, what are we actually talking about? Are we talking about corners that Odell can beat? Yeah, that's part of it. But we're also talking about teams that aren't getting to Mayfield in a moment's notice. It's it's probably more that. But just to be you know, up front and clean about this, Beckham has faced one of the toughest cornerback schedules in football. So when you put these elements together, it's pretty obvious why Odell is struggling. Now, shame on me for not putting this together in the preseason. I knew their line had been reworked. I knew I didn't love what they did. And I gave them too much credit for knowing what they're doing. I also gave Mayfield too much credit for being able to play well under this type of duress situation. Mayfield has been a little bit exposed. He's getting better each week, by the way, but he's been a little bit exposed, um, and this has undercut what they were trying to do with Beckham. You know, probably during the offseason, they addressed the line. Mayfield's a year better next year. They have a year uh, in the offense. The connection is better. I'll be right back on Beckham next year, Uh, but for any of you who took the plunge early on Beckham due to me, you know what? That's on me. Um, Anyway, sorry, that was a tangent. Uh, I like Beckham in this game in GPPs. I wouldn't use him in cash, but in GPPs, I think, first of all, Odell Beckham at 6,300 units. That's pretty remarkable. Secondly, Cincinnati doesn't have anybody who can really cover him, and they're not getting to the quarterback consistently quickly. The Browns should have the opportunity to use Beckham in this game. And here's the last point I'm going to make. Excuse me, I'm going for the water. The last point, and I think this is... 
it's touchy-feely, but I think it's worth making. You know, the Browns aren't playing for the playoffs here. What the Browns want to do is send a message that they know what they're doing. They want to send a message that we did the right thing by acquiring Odell Beckham. And I think they want to make Beckham a little bit happy just on the off chance that they believe this stuff about him now being ambiguous about staying. And, and that was a bunch of crap, but who knows, right? So here's the point. Let's say the Browns get up three touchdowns in the first quarter. I don't think they just go to the run in this game. I think they use that as an opportunity to get Beckham off, maybe to get Njoku off, to keep getting Landry off. They want to establish some downhill passing. And I, you know, if they were going to take, you know, if they were going to go away from the pass, if they get ahead in this game, the same logic would just say, why even play Beckham? Why even play Mayfield? This game doesn't matter. So I think this is a game where game script isn't going to hurt you till some point in the second half. I think they're going to keep trying to pour the points on because they want to show that their fans, they want to show themselves that they can do it. Um, again, that's a little touchy-feely. It's a little narrative. But I really don't think the Browns are just trying to just win this game you know, in the most sensical fashion possible. I think the Browns, just, I think they want to flex their muscles a little bit. And if I were them, I would too. It's like, you know, sometimes you want to say, hey, we're good at this. We can do this. And I think the Browns probably want to show up today and put a number on the Bengals, and I don't think the Bengals failing to show up is going to stop the Browns from putting that number on them. Okay, so that was long-winded, but hopefully you got the point. Um, probably what I'm going to be doing is putting Beckham in probably like 30% of my GPPs, something like that. Um, and again, I think Landry is a safer play. And the, the thing is, I just don't think Landry has the ceiling. I think Landry's going to have to get it more like drives that culminate in Landry touchdowns, whereas Beckham, Beckham score from anywhere in the field. Uh, okay, so let's move down to uh, Washington at Green Bay. Um, so interesting game in that you've got a team that is got a Vegas implied point total under 15. <laughs> yeah, that's awful. Um, and then on the other side, we have a Vegas implied total of 27.25. So... <laughs> You know, obviously awful football game. Um, you've got the Redskins just sort of in a really bad place. Um, and you've got Haskins, a quarterback, on the road against a team with good defensive backs and a good pass rush. So Green Bay is priced up at 4K. I may tap into that 4K a little bit. I'm not sure yet, but I think it's worth noting this is a really good defensive spot uh, for the Packers. Now, given the fact that the game flow is like being predicted by Vegas to be bad, we do have some things to think about here, right? Um, now, on the Redskins side, doesn't really matter. I think they're going to play pretty much the same no matter what. They know they're going to lose. probably going to be a blowout. They're just going to do their thing, right? Um, I would love to say play Geis in this game. He's probably going to play 50% of the snaps. The problem is we don't know. They haven't done it yet. Uh, he, his snap rate actually went down last week. I don't mind him as a GPP play on the off chance that this is the week where they decide to let him sort of open things up. He's well-priced to 4900 This is a great matchup for a running back. But again, it's very possible that he gets like 10, 11, 12 touches. Uh, so be careful with the guys thing. I like it as a sprinkling in in GPPs um, and tailor that to your risk tolerance. Okay, uh, McLaurin is similar, I think. You know, he may have 10 targets and 8 of them miss. We just don't know. Uh, but he can absolutely catch two long touchdowns in this game. Okay? So I think a sprinkling of McLaurin, uh, again, uh, you, know, you know, your risk factors have to come in here, what you're comfortable with, what your tolerance is. Uh, but I think having a share or two of McLaurin in your GPP portfolio makes some sense. Uh, now, other side of the ball. Um, we've got the split backfield. You know, I'm not really inclined uh, to use either one of Green Bay's backs here. Uh, Adams at 8K is priced so far up that it's sort of tough to get to him. Uh, I think he's a really good play. If you can find a lineup construction that gets Adams into your lineup, uh, I think you're going to be getting 12 targets. He'll probably catch nine of them. Uh, I think he's got a 50% chance to score. He's a really good play. Uh, but on a week like this, using 8K on a receiver is not easy to do. So, you know, it's sort of up to you and how you want to work your lineups. Um, you know, I don't even think game flow is a concern for 
Adams. There's simply not any other places that they like throwing the ball to. So even if they're up multiple scores, Adams is still going to be getting targets until you get to the point of the game where they're literally looking to milk the clock out. Um, so I'm cool with that, Adams. It's just a question of how you get to him. Um, you know, on the other side, again, with these running backs, um, you know, there's some temptation with Jamal Adams, but, you know, he was limited with a knee midweek. Now he's off the practice report. You know, at 4,800, there's some temptation that maybe they would give him extra carries this week in a blowout. But for all I know, with him being a little dinged up, they may go the other way and give it, to, a, 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 you know, and give it to um, Jones. So, you know, all things equal, if I'm going to play one of the running backs, I'm going to take the, the discount with Jones at 67 and hope that he gets extra touches because of the knee, you know, the, the smallish knee injury to Adams. Ideally, I think I'm playing either one of these backs, uh, to be honest. I think Rodgers and GPPs at 68 is okay. Um, you could use them in cash. The problem with Rodgers is if the early touchdowns are in the ground, you're dead, right? Like if Green Bay's up 21. Uh, to three at the break, and the the, the the touchdowns went to Jones and Williams, uh, you're in big trouble because Rodgers probably only throw for another 100 yards in that game, okay? Um, so that's where the risk factor comes in for, for me with Rodgers. I, I sort of like him more in GPPs because I think he could throw three touchdowns in the first half, throw for 300 yards, uh, and have a really good day, but I think it's a 50% scenario. Okay, let's take a look at the Lions uh, at Minnesota. Uh, obviously, on the Lions side, uh, I guess Vegas wasn't really impressed with Blau at quarterback. Uh, they've got a 15.25 uh, implied total. Obviously, that is not good. Um, you know, am I afraid to use Kenny Galladay? I wouldn't say I'm afraid, um, but it's, it's unlikely to happen. Minnesota's a good defense. They're going to be on this quarterback. He's going to be under pressure. I'm playing this game as it lies. It looks like a blowout in Minnesota's favor. It looks like a high-volume run attack. You know, I think Cook is too risky at 95. It's just too big a number for a guy who, get, you know, what's going to happen with Cook is they're going to win the game with him. And the minute they've got it won, they're going to pull him. They're going to go to Madison. So, you know, depending on how long you think it's going to take for that to happen, that's how much Cook's going to be worth. That's how much Madison's going to be worth. Um, I'm... Probably just not going to play either one of these guys, with the exception of maybe throwing some Madison into some GPP lineups on the off chance that it hits. Um, and I don't know that I'm going to do that. I think it's worth considering doing that. Okay, um, Rudolph, I think, is a viable consideration in this game, 4,400. Um, he's been playing really, really well, obviously, with Thielen out. Um, you know, that's that's, you know not even remotely a thin play. Uh, now, you can come up empty with it. You know, you never know when they're just not going to target uh, Rudolph. But he's looked really good. I think they're going to spend enough time in the red zone. I think his chances of scoring are better than 50%. Um, now, when it comes to Diggs, who's sort of the big tamale hanging out there in this game, 76 is just too much money for me, the way they used him last week, the fact that he got dinged up after the half and it didn't really do anything. Uh, if you want to play Diggs, I can't tell you you're stupid to do it, uh, but it's just a little thin for me right now. I'm not feeling it. I, I could absolutely be wrong on that, but I, you know, I didn't like what I saw in the second half last week after he got dinged up. Um, one thing that you should look at in this game, and again, you have to pay up for it. It's not easy to get to, uh, but 3,800 units for the Vikings defense uh, feels like something that could pay off. Um, okay, dropping down, and I, I apologize. We're going long here, but there's a lot to say on some of these games. Uh, I'll try to speed it up, but uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to rush. Um, next up, uh, San Francisco at the Saints. Uh, now, Vegas likes San Francisco as the better team because it's a smaller than three-point differential. So, in theory, uh, on a neutral field, I think Vegas is saying Frisco's the better team. But uh, in the Superdome, 2.5-point uh, spread in favor of of the Saints, implied totals of 21 for Frisco, 23.5 for the Saints. So, obviously not a lot to get excited about here from a DFS perspective. Uh, I think Kittle at 5,900 units is certainly GPP viable. I, I mean, no way he's not. Um, I don't think I would do it in cash. Um, you know, Sanders has the scarier matchup here with Marshawn Lattimore. That should be a shadow situation. So if you wanted to go poke around and look at Debo Samuel... You know, just to sort of go away from the coverage kind of thing, 
you could do that. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's like psycho. The problem is Samuel's not cheap anymore. He's going to cost you 5600 There's probably better ways to spend that money. Um, you know, the ways I'm looking to get involved in this game uh, would either be Kittle, but really it's Kamara. Uh, Kamara's the guy I'm most interested in, uh, a little bit interested in Michael Thomas. Um, I think, you know, if you're the Saints and you want to win this game, the way you're going to do it is with Kamara. At least that's the way I see it. So to me, Kamara at 7K, the price has a lot to do with, you know, Vegas assuming like 32% is going to go to Latavius Murray. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. I, I think I got into this during the, the lineup rankings on Thursday. It wouldn't surprise me if they went 85% Kamara in this game which means, I think, he should probably be at 8K. Um, so I'm interested in Kamara. I'm interested in cash. I'm intending to play him in tournaments. Um, and I'm also, I'm also interested in Michael Thomas because I think people are going to go away from him, and I think the production's probably going to be similar to the norm, and his price is down a little bit. Now, what's the problem with Thomas? And to some extent, Kamara as well. It's Taysom freaking Hill. Beware of Taysom Hill. If this guy steals too many of the touchdowns, our guys aren't going to pay off. That's the reason I'm not leaning in on this. I'm going to have some Kamara, but it's going to be limited. I'm going to have some Michael Thomas. It's going to be limited. I'm not touching Jared Cook because I think the 49er matchup for tight ends is just brutal, uh, which is another one of the reasons I sort of think Michael Thomas could uh, get his typical target load in this game, which I know some people don't expect. Um, moving down, Two Dolphins at Jets. This is a game I like. I feel like Vegas might be a little bit low on the Dolphins here. I think, you know, I think there's a scenario where the Dolphins get crushed and don't do very well offensively at all. And the way that works is if the Jets scheme, if they dial it up right and they're hitting the right notes, Greg Williams will sack the quarterback, cause turnovers. Um, you know, it'll be a tough situation. The Jets will be able to run the ball a lot. The game will end up getting shortened. Uh, some of our Jets may not pay off in that scenario as well, but certainly uh, our, our Dolphins are going to have trouble. Um, so that's you know a way to look at this game, and I think the Jets' defense at 3,200 units is worthy of consideration. Um, you know I think the probability of it paying off is about 30%. So where I'm obviously a little more interested in the 70% where the Jets' defense doesn't light this game up, it may be more. It's like 2080 something like that. Um, you know, because overall, I think Greg Williams is bad. But when he, when he gets it right, his defenses can do a lot of damage. Um, now, on the Jets' side of the ball, I obviously we we like things because Miami is just so incredibly bad defensively. Um, so I'm okay with Darnold in uh, tournaments. I'm okay with Darnold in cash. There's a risk factor. The Jets, you know, one out of four games, I think, will show up and be bad. But I think 75% of the time, this offense in matchups like this is going to do very well. Uh, the stacking piece for my money is Robbie Anderson at 5,100. If you look at the last three weeks, the trend is going up, up, up. Uh, he also just looks good, and I know Darnold is going to look for him in a game where he's going to have time to throw. If you want to use Crowder, that's fine. Uh, if you know, if you want to use, um, you know, Griffin at tight end. That's fine. I mean, those guys are solid plays. For me, Robbie at 51 is just good business. Um, you know, and then on the other side, um, I think uh, Devontae Parker at 6,900 is a good buy. I did, I, you know, I mean, you know, is he going to crush that number and win you a tournament because 69 was such a low number? No, 69 is sort of a high number. But, you know, when, you, when you're offering me significant floor with touchdown potential on this slate, I'm taking it. And I think Parker gives us that against the Jets, who can't cover a damn thing. Um, the other thing on the, the, the Dolphins side, which I think is a significantly good uh, price-considered option, is Gasecki, who's looked much better the second half of the season. They're targeting him. He's getting more playing time. He's got great hands. The Jets are going to be without the, uh, Jamal Adams, I think, almost definitely. That helps a lot. Uh, so on the, uh, you know, the Dolphins, I think, Parker, Gasecki, if I'm doing a Jet stack, I'm bringing back one of those pieces. Okay, um, and the way I'm setting up my board this uh, week, probably for me, it'll be like an, an Ian Thomas at tight end as a cost saver, uh, and that'll help me get Parker in uh, and maybe one of the other big pieces. If I can't figure that out, I may flip it and go Gasecki. All right. Uh, yeah, that'll do it for this game. Let's drop down to, uh, and this is a game I think that's important, uh, Colts at the Bucks. 
And um, I know we're, we're definitely pushing the timeline here, and I apologize. Uh, but on the upside, that's seven games down, six more to go. Um, and, and really, I think this particular game, when we look back at this slate, it's possible that this is the most important game to get right, or at the, at the very least, the most important game to understand. Um, so both of these teams have the potential to play slow. That's a concern. Obviously, the Colts like to play slow, uh, and Arians at times will slow things down. So that is a concern, okay? Um, and, you know, both of these defenses are in a pretty good spot. That's worth noting. Um, the Tampa defense, if they have a good day, could crush here, uh, and they're only 2,300. Uh, now, I don't necessarily think they're going to crush, but they could. They're home, and they're aggressive, all right? Uh, and then the Colts are pretty good defense on the other side. Um, well, they're an okay defense with a good scheme, uh, but I think their scheme works well against Jameis's lack of, uh, you know, understanding, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, look, Jameis could throw some picks in this game. So I think both of these defenses, if you're looking to pay down to open up space, are reasonable options. Now, uh, Vegas, you know, has this game 25-22. Not bad. 47 this week is not a bad number. Um, and I think they could conceivably be a little low uh, on the Colts' side. It really depends what the Colts do, obviously. Obviously. Um, but... You know, some of you guys already know where this is going. Uh, but look, I think Brissett now is, you know, what, three weeks past that injury in terms of returning. He's doing better. He's moving better. Um, he could add some foot points in this game. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, and look, we don't love Jack Doyle. We don't love Zach Pascal. We don't know Paris Campbell that well yet, okay? This is, you know, obviously not uh, the flying Wallendas here, all right? But let's not forget, they're playing against Tampa, and Tampa's defense on the pass side is really average at best, okay? And they defend the run really well. They're very aggressive. So we've got a mobile quarterback, and we've got a situation where he's probably going to have to throw. Now, the Colts will come in. They'll try to run Mac. They'll keep, you know, they'll, Mac's going to get his 15 to 20 touches, maybe more for all we know. But the odds on that paying off and winning him the game, not particularly good. I mean, Tampa just doesn't give up a lot of juice on the ground, all right? So they're probably going to be running Mac, doing a lot of play action, and targeting Pascal and Campbell and Doyle a ton. Now let's look at the prices. Pascal's only 5500 for a number one receiver going against Tampa. Paris Campbell's going to be playing like 80-90% of the snaps. Remember, this guy's been running the whole time. It's a hand injury, okay? He's, the things that make Paris Campbell special will be there, all right? And Doyle is now running unopposed. Ebron's gone. So... I'd be surprised if any one of these guys didn't have a decent game, right? So for Campbell, obviously decent at 3,200, that's almost like a lock-button move. Now, is Campbell going to win you your week? No. He's a conduit to get big scores into our lineup where he can be a part of the puzzle, give us a little floor game, and then our big dogs take care of business. Pascal, on the other hand, you have to pay 5,500 for it. So we need him to get into that 15-point area or things aren't so good. Uh, Doyle at 4,600, obviously typical tight end pricing. If he scores, we win. If he catches six balls, we win. Um, I like taking two out of three of these, one out of the three of these, maybe getting a little saucy and doing a full-bone Colt stack, bring back Godwin or Evans on the other side. There's a lot of ways you could go here. I think they're all viable. Um, what I'm going to tell you guys is that I'm going to have a lot of Campbell this week, okay? I'm going to have a lot of Campbell. Uh, on the, the, the teams where I don't use Ian Thomas, I think a fair of them are going to feature Doyle, okay? Um, Pascal is a guy I'm looking to get into some lineups. I don't know what my exposure is going to be, but I like him. And then on the other side, Jameis is a reasonable play. The defensive scheme doesn't work for him, but... The fact that the Colts aren't as talented this year as they were last year does. I think Jameis is, you know, maybe 5% less than average in terms of the quality of this week's matchup. Um, and he's priced at 64, so he's no bargain, but he's viable, okay? Like, if you want to use Jameis and stack him with one of those receivers, you're not going to get an argument from me. Um, now, Godwin or Evans? You know, flip a coin at this point. Um I think, really, they're basically the same price. They probably have the same probability to go off. Ultimately, it will probably come down to how the Colts lean, who they're pushing on more. The other guy probably goes off. 
Um, so uh, my thing here is I'll split the baby. I'm not going to put Godwin and Evans in the same lineup. I will probably put a Godwin or an Evans in about 50% of my lineups. So you're, I'm probably looking at about 25% exposure to each one of these guys. Um, and if I'm doing Colt stacks, I will go out of my way to correlate because these guys are, are worth doing it with. Um, now, the running backs in this game, I'm not touching the ones on the Tampa side. It's just too thin. Uh, and I don't like the way Max stacks up with his usage. You know, the price is okay, but the matchup is bad, and he doesn't catch passes. And God, you know, one good smack on that hand, he could be out. So I, I'm going to choose to not really get involved with Mar with Marlon Mack this week at 6K. I'd rather save 100 bucks and play Ingram. Okay. Moving down, Colts at Texans. Uh, on the Colts side, obviously, this is dangerous stuff. Drew Locke is the quarterback, and even though I like Locke's talent, uh, this is the exploratory phase of the Drew Locke era. This is the phase most likely to produce high pick games and pick sixes, okay? So the Houston defense is big time in play, okay? Uh, I don't know how much of them I'm going to use, but they're in play for sure. Uh, and I'm kicking myself right now for not listing the darn cost. Um, so bear with me uh, while I pull up the cost uh, of the Texans' defense, because I think this is something that's important. Uh, I, I mean, I really think the Texans' defense could smash in this spot because of lock, you know? Uh, and I think a lot of people won't be on the Texans' defense because, you know, they're really not that good. Yeah, 3,300. I thought that was the number. So I, I think the thing about this spot is there are a lot of defenses out there that people are going to want to use, um, in, you know, without paying up to 3,300 for uh, Houston. So if you're looking for a defense with a lot of upside where you'll have differentiation, I think 3,300-unit Texans at home against Drew Locke makes some sense. Uh, now, on the, on, the, on the Denver side of the ball, I think Lindsey at 5,700 is worth considering because we know Freeman is dinged up and he's been getting less and less uh, in terms of touches every week. So this could be a week where Lindsey's getting 75% of the touches at 5,700 units. I'm cool with that. The problem on DraftKings is that he just doesn't catch enough passes. So GPP viable because I think he's got 25-point game potential, but, but I, you know, limited exposure. I think I'm looking at probably 15 20% exposure, something like that. Sutton, on the other hand, in a game where this team could fall behind, you know, Sutton could have five, six, seven, half targets, aggressive ones. And while we don't love Locke because he's going to turn the ball over and he's, you know, shaky, you know, he's got all the all the ability to just throw long bombs uh, to Sutton. He's got no problem in terms of delivering the football. So I don't think Sutton, if anything, I think Sutton is in better shape uh, with Locke than he's been with these other quarterbacks. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, implied point total 16 to Texans 26, excuse, well, 25.75. So the game script, according to Vegas, is going to be in Texans' favor at home. Uh, so again, that leans more to Sutton than to Lindsey. Uh, on uh, the Texans' side of the ball, I, you know, for the most part, I'm looking at Watson and Nuke. Obviously, uh, Fuller's got the hamstring. I'm going to stay away from Fuller with a hamstring. I think the reasons for that are obvious. Uh, but the Watson-Nuke thing, I think people will avoid Nuke even at the nice price because they'll assume Chris Harris is going to be all over him. Now, that assumption is probably right, but as good as Chris Harris is, he's not Nuke. Uh, and Watson's going to have time to throw in this game. You know, no Bradley Chubb, obviously. Von Miller is, is dinged up. They lost Derek Wolf last uh um, week. He's out for the season. This is a defensive line that's struggling. So I think Watson's going to have time. Uh, and if Fuller is out, I think a Nuke Watson stack and a GPP makes some sense. Okay, dropping down, Chargers, Jaguars. Okay, on the Chargers side, Melvin is a really good play at 64. Now there's some risk because it's a two-man backfield, but I like Melvin at 64. I like that a little bit better than Eckler at 63. They're both viable. I think Hunter Henry, if you're paying up over 5K for a tight end, is as good a play as anybody. I'm generally paying down this week. Williams at 4,500. Love it in a GPP. No way I'm doing it in cash. Love it in a GPP. Um, Fournette is viable anywhere you want to use him. He's getting tons of touches. His passing game involvement is higher than I ever would have expected. So he's PPR viable. He's got a DraftKings floor. 7,800 units is a good price. I'm fine with Fournette in your lineups, GPP, cash, whatever. 
DJ Shark's going to be matched up on Casey Hayward. That should keep his targets to a minimum, which means uh, DD at 52 and Conley at 4K flat are both viable options. Um, by and large, I'm not really looking to get involved in this game because I think both teams are going to shorten the game. So, you know, some of these pieces could come into play. If I, you know, if I need a 6,400 unit running back, I'm fine throwing Melvin Gordon in. I'm okay using Hunter Henry. There's a lot of guys here I'm okay with, but probably going to stay away from this game as a general rule. Okay, uh, Titans at Raiders. Derrick Henry's a good play here. Definitely going to have some exposure to Henry. Don't know if I have the guts to do it in cash. Um, the Raiders are going to be playing without Trent Brown. Uh, so that ups the value of the Titans' defense, and they're well-priced at 2600 So nothing wrong with using the Titans, even though they're on the road. Um, now, on the Raiders' side, there's not much I like with the exceptional Waller. But again, am I going to pay 5800 for Waller when I'm you know, not looking to pay 5100 for Hunter Henry? Nah, I'd rather pay 51 for Hunter Henry. Um, now, this game also, Gruden likes to play slow. We know the Titans have the capacity to play slow. So this game could be an ugly slog. I liked the idea of playing Jacobs, but now with the shoulder thing, we don't even know if he's going to play. And if he does play, he could be knocked out with a single hit. So I'm not playing Jacobs. Uh, the two backs that play behind Jacobs, uh, you've got Richard, you've got Washington. Uh, look, they're priced well, but I just don't have any feel for how this is going to go. Again, this game could be short. Even though price might be tempting, I'm not really looking at the Raider backup backs personally. Okay. Let's talk about maybe the most fun game on the slate, uh, a game that I think is um, a little bit underrated uh, from a fantasy perspective. Uh, and I know a game that a lot of my listening audience uh, is into because I know you know, a fair amount of the people who um, follow me and read Rotobon are Patriot fans. So uh, I know a lot of you are into this game. Um, you know, I think the Patriot defense is viable, as I said the other day. Um, the discount on the Patriot defense, um, you know... Is, is it enough to use them? Three grand? Eh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm playing them at three grand. I think I'd rather play the Chiefs at 2200 uh, to be honest, because they're going to be sending pressure at Brady. Uh, and I think they'll get a couple sacks. Maybe they'll get a pick if they're lucky. And, you know, the strip sack, strip sack, the strip sack and strip sack touchdown are certainly in play. So if you're looking to pay down 2200 unit Chief, not the worst idea in the world. Uh, as far as players go, uh, I'm okay with Mahomes uh, in a tournament. Don't think I quite have the guts to go there and cash. Uh, same thing with Tyree Kill. Same thing with Kelsey. These guys are all viable. I think Darwin Thompson is the only running back on the Kansas City side that I want to get involved with. I will have some limited GPP exposure to him at 4K. Uh, on the Patriots side, obviously Edelman is a safe play. Uh, but the upside, and when we talk about upside, I think sometimes Patriot fans are like, what do you mean? Edelman doesn't have upside? No. He's got plenty of typical fantasy upside. But when we're talking about isolating and rostering a 7,000-unit receiver, we want him to have like a 50% chance of scoring, and we want him to have, you know, 30-point upside. Edelman, to me, is more like 25-point upside, and he's usually going to fall in that 14-22 area. So, you know, if you're sort of playing it safe and you just want to try to you know, get to 170 in cash. Edelman has some applications. If you're trying to win a big GPP, I think probably not the way to go. Um, I like Sony, not in cash. I like White, and I think you can use him in cash. Um, my Sony exposure will be limited because I think he's got flame-out potential as well. I'm willing to use White just about anywhere. I don't know how much of him I'll have, but I'm very willing. Um... I'm sort of liking the Chiefs to play well in this game. I don't know if I'm liking them to win the game. Uh, I have this feeling that the Patriots are going to do a lot of no huddle. They're going to try to do some long drives. Um, so that shortens the game. I don't love that aspect of it. So I'm not really going to game stack this thing, but I will be grabbing some pieces when they fit into my GPPs. Uh, and there really isn't much other than James White that I want to use here in cash. Okay. And last game on the slate as we hit the hour mark on this podcast. Sorry, folks, I did my best. Uh, Pittsburgh at the Cardinals. Um, I mean, this one's interesting. Pittsburgh's favored by a point and a half. Um, you know, so with the four points, you know, th that means Pittsburgh would probably be favored closer to five points at home. Um, 
you know, I think I would love to play Benny Snell in this game if they hadn't priced him up already. He's already at 6,100 units. So I think Snell's viable, but he's not going to catch passes. So if he doesn't get into the end zone at least once, you're going to get burned. You probably need two scores for him to pay off big. So think twice before, like, going heavy on Snell. I think he's worth some exposure, but be careful, okay? Uh, Washington is the receiver to play, but you got to pay 6 k for him. So it's not like a no-brainer, all right? Um, I'm not using Washington in cash. Um, and then there's Vance McDonald, the flowchart tight end play at 4,300 units. Uh, like, almost no tight ends all year failed against this defense. So will Pittsburgh see that and use Vance? I think they probably will. Um, you know, but I'm not putting Vance in every lineup the way I did with Higby last year. I think it's riskier because, look, it's $1,800 more. Um, you know, why Higby was 25 and Vance is 43, that's another discussion. But it is what it is. Uh, so I think, you know, getting a little Vance just so you can party if it happens is worth it. I'm not going all in with both feet like I did last week. Uh, on the on the Cardinal side of the ball... Quite frankly, I'm really not looking to do much of anything. I don't trust Kirk against this defense. I think it's going to be tough to run against the Steelers. Uh, and I think Kyler doesn't have enough weapons where I really trust him. His price is down if you want to use a little naked Kyler in a GPP. Okay. Maybe stack it with Kirk or Drake. Okay. But it's not something I'm really looking to do heavy. Um, and, you know, that's going to do it <laughs> for the Week 14 slate. I hope... Um, uh, you know, that I gave you guys some things to chew on. Uh, I hope, you know, that you guys can now get into your lineup construction and, you know, maybe have some different ideas. Um, you know, is there anything I want to get into here that I didn't hit? Um, just looking around. Nah, I think I got, I think I got most of everything. Um, so I may, uh, well, I'm definitely going to keep grinding on this stuff, and I may have some stuff for you guys tomorrow morning if I come up with some ideas. If I veer in a different direction, I, I won't let you all know. Uh, but this is pretty much it. This is the way I see the slate. Um, uh, for those of you who didn't check it out, um, at some point today, if you look at my Twitter feed, you should be able to find uh, my DFS article that I put up on WEI this afternoon. Uh, I get into some stuff in there that I didn't get into on the pod. Uh, Jim Hackett and I obviously are going to do an hour tomorrow morning. We'll talk about the slate. Uh, and then hopefully, I really hope uh, that I'm going to be seeing a lot of you guys on Tuesday when we do the week 15 uh, waiver wire. Uh, so keep grinding. This is a week to really think about things, get involved in certain games. And maybe that's the one thing I can hit. Maybe I didn't talk enough about that. But the games I'm really looking to get involved in are the Colts and Tampa and the Jets and Miami. Those are really the two big games that I want to consistently be involved in. Uh, the rest are mostly, you know, players that I want to keep an eye on. Uh, but really the Jets, Dolphins, um, and, and Colts at Tampa, I think, are the, are the two most fertile games on the slate. Um, so, do with that what you will. Go out, make some lineups, make some money. Hopefully we all do that. Uh, we can do some high-fiving on Sunday. But until then, thanks for taking this trip with us that's really been going on since preseason. Thanks to all the people who've donated. And please, for those of you who haven't, consider doing so. And thanks for listening to the Rotobon Podcast, man. I couldn't do it without you guys. Giddy up. Let's make it out, baby.